grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all and also with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, on this bright and beautiful morning, as we continue to celebrate your Son's gift of the resurrection, we come before you to be mindful of all the gifts that are abounding in our world. We ask you, Lord, to continue to bless us with those gifts, but also bless us with the ability to share those gifts with others, to be mindful of others, so that when those, so that when we um, um, come across those who are weak, those who are forgotten by society, those who are in need to get into the healing pools of Bethsaida, that you, through us, can bring them to the healing waters. Help us, Lord, to be your arms, to be your mouth, to be your grace, so that those who we engage can be healed from, the, from their weaknesses and be lifted up to be with you. Lord, we lift this in all the other prayers. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our first reading is Acts 16. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a, ma a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to complain... <laughs> proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace. The following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Tyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The Lord, of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For your judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has brought forth its increase. God, our own God, has blessed us. May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. The second reading is Revelation 21. And in the Spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine to shine on it, 
For the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the rulers of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kind of fruits producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants of God will do no homage. They will see God's face, and on their foreheads shall be God's name, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Please rest. Today's gospel readings from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, there was a festival of the Jewish people, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, persons blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O You may be seated at this time. I invite the little Lutherans and the medium Lutherans, since we have such little Lutherans today. So few, I mean. No medium? How about big Lutherans? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to see you. I was going to say, is Ava Marie coming? I, I don't want you to be all alone being grilled by the pastor. Right? Yeah. Here she comes. So my two boys are over at St. John's because the congregation there wants to meet Kit. Hey, how are you, beautiful? I love your socks. There you go. Okay, today is a big day in our national history, right? Today's Memorial Day. It's a day where we honor those who died fighting for our country, right? And so all over the country we have parades and we have various um, places that we go and commemorate those who were so brave for our country. We have the cemeteries and we have... Um, uh, veterans places that we can go and hear stories but you know what makes um, soldiers especially those who gave up their life so special do you know why huh well yeah they fought for our country because they gave their life up for us right and they were and many of them were willing to do in fact all of them were willing to do it 
Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed up for the military. And, and what that means is that they lived a life that was very much for other people. And isn't that very Christian? Aren't we asked to live for others? No, we shouldn't be selfish, right? Yeah. So what's a way that we can be, or that, that shows that we're selfish? You know? When we want only things for us, right? Like when we make food we don't share with our family. Do you ever do that? Do you share all your food with your family? Oh, good. Or uh, how about your toys? When you have friends over, do you share your toys with them? You do? Okay. Uh, I wasn't too good when I was younger. Uh, how about what else? How about your, you know, do you share the, uh, your favorite book with people? Do you have a favorite book? No, I do. I'm trying to think. What are the things that you tend to have that you like to share? No? Do you have anything? You like to share with Le your Legos? Oh, I'll, I'll come over and play with Legos with you. Yeah, I'd love Legos. When I was young, oh, that's all I would do is play Legos. I let my imagination go. Anything else you like to share? I know, you're the only one up here. It's kind of all about you right now. Yeah. There's a lot, right? And so, and so we're called by Christ to always share everything we have as best, most as we can, not because people, you know, um, not because we should just do it, but because in many ways, because people need it. It becomes an issue of matter and life. Back in Jesus' time, if you didn't share water and food with people, there was no guarantee that other people who didn't have food and water would live because there was such few food and such little water in Israel, because it was most, it's, Israel is mostly a desert, okay? And so for Jesus to share our life with others was really a way of giving other people life. And so today, we commemorate people who died for us, and in, by doing so, they gave us life. That's really a cool thing to think about, you know? And we're called to be like Christ. We're called to be like those soldiers who, in, in giving up their own lives, they gave us better lives. Isn't that neat? So that's why we take today and celebrate, or really tomorrow, to celebrate what those soldiers have done. And there are many soldiers who didn't die, but they did the same thing. And they were willing. They got injured. They got wounded. They got in many trouble because they were willing to make our lives easier. And so today, even though we commemorate those who died, we also should remember those who were willing to die for us. Okay? So let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you give us so many heroes in our uh, nation in our lives so that we can live uh, so they can set examples of how to dedicate our lives that we can live according to your will according to the betterment of society and for others in our community we ask you lord to continue to find the heroes in our lives and model our life after them so that we can make our country and the people around us better we can bring our society to a point of great service and, and the mindset of always serving others and giving ourselves to each other. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. You have your, you're all, there you go. Oh. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. Let us pray. 
Lord, on this beautiful morning, we are so grateful that we can gather as one here in your house. We ask, Lord, as always, to descend into our hearts, to open our souls and our minds so that we are able to get a new vision of life through the words that, are, that will be spoken. Lord, allow those words to have the force of transformation so that we can see a whole new way of living according to your will, a new way of engaging your people, a new way of getting our lives to those who are in need of your present touch. Lord, give us the courage and the strength to hear the words and then to live it. In your name we pray. Amen. So today's gospel text is, um, um, follows a theme that if you really study the gospels, you will see um, woven throughout all four gospels. And that theme is that Jesus breaks certain laws of Moses. Not because I, you know, there, there's many arguments what, uh, why Jesus breaks some laws and not others. But one of the very main laws, in fact, the main law that Jesus continually breaks is doing things on the Sabbath. And in this particular case, it is the story of a man who's been ill all his life, probably a paraplegic or just somebody who is completely lame, not able to do anything for himself. Somehow he managed to get to the side of a pool that the people in uh, Jerusalem thought had healing uh, potentials because every time that the water bubbled up, it was on top of a spring and apparently it was kind of like a geyser. Every time it started to bubble up and it would be on the hour or so at a certain time interval, people would rush in and thinking that the water being bubbled up is where all the healing potions and, um, and attributes were stirred up and it was then that they would get healed. Well, this man has been laying there for 38 years and he's hoping that one of these days he would get that potion if he's able to get in the water. The, the clue is that he probably didn't get in the water much because he was pretty much lame and not able to help himself. So he just laid there. And so here comes Jesus. It's a Sabbath. My question is what Jesus is doing at the pool. But I think we know what he was doing. He was trying to make a point. So he goes to the pool of Bethsaida, and he goes and he heals this man. And the last word of today's text says everything. It says that it was the Sabbath. What I find fascinating is that the idea of Sabbath, it goes back as ancient as the creation story. And it, so much of our understanding of God and God's relationship with us is, is connected to the, is, is based on our understanding of Sabbath. One of my favorite commentaries that's written of late, it was by a man named David pa uh, uh, Patrick Miller. Patrick Miller is a professor of one of the Ivy League schools, I can't remember which ones. And he's, um, he writes about how the, 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 the fourth commandment, the fourth commandment of the 10 is perhaps is arguably the most according to Patrick Miller, the most important commandment in all of all the ten. It is the one that bridges the first three, which is about God, to the next six, which is about our neighbors. It is the one that allows us to see how democratic 
our relationship with God is and, how, and God's relationship with his people is. Because Patrick Miller says that when you look at the fourth commandment, the one where we are to respect the Sabbath, we look, it, it offers us the opportunity to look back to the previous three and we see that God rests. It is the one act that we can relate to the most with God. God rests. And I hear he roots for the Vikings on that Sabbath days. And he rests like we rest. It is the one act that we are most like the divine. And then it allows us, it affords us to look into the next six. And it, and it reminds us that we are like all the other people of the earth, that we, too, share this one act that is all, regardless of regardless of our social status, regardless of how, um, how, what we look like, whether we have glasses or not, it regardless, regardless of who we are, we, in that, this one act of resting, we are most like our neighbors, regardless of whether they're from China or Argentina or right here in Limestoneville, right? We are the most like it. And so when you put it all together, it is the one act that all of creation, all, including God himself who created creation, is we all share in the same act. We are, all, we are most like everything, everybody, even animals rest. And so as a result, Patrick Miller argues that this is probably the most democratic and perhaps the most important one of them all because it is in this act that we get a glimpse of the divine and it is this act we get the closest we get or we, we are the closest to all of God's humanity. We, and so, when you, take, when you take that understanding, what you start to see is that Sabbath, when you rest, it removes all the pressures of the world from everybody, from you. It is in this moment that all the ills of the world dissipates and you are brought to an equal level with everybody else. And it is important to really understand what the Sabbath really means. Because if once you get this understanding of Sabbath, you see how revolutionary that idea is and how counter-cultural it really is for all of us. In our society, whether it's America or the rest of the world, there is this deep pressure, deep pressure to, for all of us to continually produce it is a pressure that forces us to work harder, to strive for, to go further in life, and to, be, to get the highest social um, status that we can possibly stand. Our, our, the society's pressure is that if you want to be respected, you have to have more money than your neighbor. It's not even about keeping up with the Joneses anymore. It's about surpassing the Joneses now, right? And it's the very problem that got the Jewish, the nation of Israel, the, the, the Hebrew people back in Genesis and Exodus all in trouble because you know what they were making bricks for, those slaves, those Hebrew slaves? It was for one guy to continue to amass more wealth. And in those days, what was the sign of wealth? It was how many granaries you could build. So he was building granaries every mile or so. And he kept producing more in the fields, and then he kept building more so he could store more of his wonderful, wonderful wheat 
and flour and everything else. And if you read through this text of the um, of Hebrews, I mean of Egypt and um, I'm sorry, Exodus and Genesis, what you see is that the Hebrew kings, the Pharaoh, not Hebrew kings, the Pharaohs, the Egyptian kings, they kept wanting to be the most powerful nation in the then known world. And by doing so, they created more wealth, but created more pressure, and they put more emphasis on the workers that were down in the lowest totem pole, which were the Hebrew slaves. And in doing so, they took over their bodies, they controlled those people's lives, they even went so far as to try population control with killing, the first, uh, killing all the male uh, babies that were born. And so they went so far so that they could control how wealthy they can get that they stomped down all the other people. Well, in many ways, what happened back then is still happening today. We have people dying from the burdens of work. We have people who are forgotten and neglected from all the troubles that our pressured society puts on them. And <clears throat> excuse me, in China today, there are people who will be fired if they don't produce a certain amount of work to, in order to produce our iPhones, our televisions, and whatever else that we need. There are people in America today whose only way of making, any, uh, making ends meet is to have three, and I heard somewhere, <clears throat> I heard on a radio show a lady who had four jobs a week. And so as a result, they, so many people around the world don't get rest. And when they don't get rest, they eventually wear out. And when they wear out, they cease to be part of society. What Christ is doing in our gospel text today, even on the Sabbath, is to make a statement. He is saying this man who's been here ill for 38 years, society saw him as useless. They saw him as nothing more than paperweight. And they didn't help him. But God, who created him along with us, engaged him and, let, and lifted him up to the, to the level that we all are and to the level that Christ is at on a Sabbath, on the day of rest, on the day when everybody in the eyes of Christ and God is at the same level of importance. We are at the, we are at the height of divinity and God is at the depth of humanity. And on that day, Christ lifted a man who wasn't up to the level of humanity. <clears throat> and so he stooped down to the depth of humanity and brought him up. On the Sabbath, Christ showed to all of the people that were around him, and even today, that even on the Sabbath, a day of rest, when everybody should be together, worshiping and praising God, but should be seen as equal partners in the ministry of God. Christ took this opportunity to bring about hope, to bring about future for a man who had none. He lived for 38 years without even the slightest understanding of what hope would look like. His only hope was to make it to the water's edge, to the pool edge where the water might touch him and heal him. And for 38 years, it didn't happen. And Jesus gives him that pool's edge moment without him being to the pool. And so what I find fascinating is the theme that continues to go through 
as the undercurrent of all the Gospels is that Jesus doesn't break the Sabbath just to break the Sabbath. He breaks the Sabbath, in, or the laws of the Sabbath, to demonstrate that the Sabbath is not about those who can rest and those who can't can't. It is not about anything more than a social statement on the fact that we are all together in this common mission with Christ, bringing the gospel to all those who can't rest, those who need that rest, those who need to be given hope, be given a future. This gospel text should tell us that we are a people that are invited not to just watch football on Sundays on our Sabbath, but to be about bringing, and bringing up those who the world has lost, who the world has forgotten, who has no future, who doesn't understand what it means to live in a way that they can control their own destiny and make choices according to the will of God. We, the Sabbath, according to, um, to Jesus, is about us lifting up the lowly and bringing down the mighty so that we're all together on the same level with the divine where Christ meets us with his Lord and Father. And so because of that, I invite you to think of Sabbath is not only just a time of rest, that is important, but it is also a time where we go about engaging the world around us and finding ways in which we bring equality, democracy in the sense that everybody is equal to this world. Because the great dream of the Christian faith is not that the haves gets more and the have-nots are left behind. It is not any of that. It is the idea of an equilibrium in our society where Christ is in the present, in the midst of all of us. And so because of that, Patrick Miller <coughs> says that it is, it is this amazing vision of Christ that is very much part of the apocalyptic understanding of the Christian faith. If we are to usher in the kingdom of God, if we are to allow for Christ's second coming, Patrick Miller says, we ought to be about bringing the lowly and working to bring forth the attributes that Christ speaks of in Luke 4, where he says, I have come to bring good news to the poor, to lift up the lowly and to break and to bring down the mighty, to straighten the roads, and uh, to curvy roads, and to, uh, to bring, and to level out the mountains. It is that vision at the beginning of Christ's ministry, as spoken to us in Luke 4, that continues to pervade, and it is the undercurrent of all the gospel. And in this gospel lesson today, Christ is living that out, and that it is not resting on the Sabbath that is so critical, but that the Sabbath should mean to us that we ought to be about not only rest, of course, but about making sure others can rest, others can afford to rest, others who are left behind are brought up so that they can have a future. And those who are oppressed by society are made to be free. It is that great dream of Christ that weaves through all of the Christian mission and teaching, and it is that dream that we should continue to pursue, and it is that teaching of Christ that should be most in our hearts and in our minds as we continue to live according to the will of Christ. Let us pray.
Lord, your teachings are so powerful and often very timely. We are amazed how relevant your teachings, though, may seem 2,000 years ago, is so prescient today. Lord, help us to continue to seek out those who are lame and forgotten and are waiting for hope in the future. Allow us, Lord, to seek the gifts that you give us so that we can share it to others. Give us the courage to bring up the lowly and to bring down the mighty, to straighten the, the curvy paths of this life so that others may come closer to you. Oh, Lord, week in and week out, day in and day out, we continue to ask you this, but it sure, certainly is, uh, can be hard. Continue, Lord, to give us the courage and the will and the resolve to do so, that trusting in you, we are able to accomplish your will. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is number 801. God's people and according to their needs. Lord, on this gorgeous morning, we are so grateful that we can gather as one 
Allow us to continue to be faithful in the mission you've given us. Allow us to continue to see a vision of ministry and a way forward. We're grateful that we continue to have people that are dedicated in this congregation and those that are committed to making sure your ministry is done in this place. Lord, continue to grant us the will and dedication of these members, but bring us, Lord, those who are seeking your words here as we seek out to them. Allow us to be successful and give us a way in which we can be successful in your mission. Lord, we lift up to you those who are not able to be with us this day because they're traveling, because they're with families and away and their vacations. We ask you to bless them in their time of rest, bless them in their time with family and friends, and we ask you, Lord, to guide them and safely bring them back to their homes, to our congregations and congregations around the country. Lord, we lift up to you all of our leaders, both locally and nationally and internationally. Lord, we say this every Sunday, and we fervently believe that you, if they seek your will, they will be able to make decisions that are always in the best interest for the nation. Help them, Lord, to find you when they are lost. Answer their prayers when they seek it and give them wise counsel when they are in need of it. We ask you to bless our president, our governor, and all the leaders in our lives. We ask you to bless those that make decisions that impacts all of our nation, state, and international lives. Lord, we lift up to you all the fallen heroes of our nation and those who have dedicated their, who gave up their lives for others. We lift up to you those who are willing to do so even now, those who are serving in militaries and in other places and in other vocations that can create, that can give them harm, but willing to do so for the betterment of our society. We're grateful for the brave soldiers, women and men who were willing to do so throughout our history and let their example of sacrificial love be one that gives us impetus and resolve to live in this community. Lord, we lift up you those who can't be with us because they're ill, because they're recovering from various illnesses. We especially lift up to you Herman, Bruce, Hulda, Christine, Sue, Ray, Roger, Wilbur, Linda, Randy, Ed, Mary, Kay, Edna, Thelma, Carl, and Carol. Allow them, Lord, to feel your healing touch as they continue to recover. and Bring them back to our community of faith here so that they, like all of us, can truly worship you in your house. Lord, we lift up to you all the caretakers of, this, um, of our congregation and all those around the world, that in their humble profession, that they know that you bless them, that you guide them, and that we are grateful. And Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you. 
stress. Let us pray together the offertory prayer. Risen one, as you broke bread with the disciples on the shore, meet us now in this meal. Nourish us to follow you, using our gifts to feed the hungry and tend the weary, all for your love's sake. Amen. The Lord be with you. Also, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Is right to give It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You called your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember the Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast. Grace our table with your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth, burning with justice, peace, and love. Come, 
Holy Spirit, with all your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun and moon and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, gives everyone a place at the ta welcome table. Alleluia. Come to the feast. You may be seated. Please rest. Let us pray. Life-giving God, in the mystery of Christ's resurrection, you send light to conquer darkness, water to give new life, and the bread of life to nourish your people. Send us forth as witnesses to your Son's resurrection, that we may show your glory to all the world. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. The blessing of the, of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit surround and sustain you, keep you from harm, and fill you with courage. Amen. You are the body of Christ raised up for the world. Go in peace. Share the good news. Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Our closing hymn is number 467.
peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share that peace.